This is the Decoding Obesity Podcast, where we simplify, demystify, and decode obesity, helping you lose weight and feel great. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Dr. Avishkar Sabharwal. So gear up for a fascinating journey through this ever-evolving field, and let's see what we find. And please remember that the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice. Don't forget to visit our website, www.decodingobesity.com, for show notes and more info. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this new segment on my podcast in which I will have guests who have graciously agreed to share their personal stories and their struggles and challenges with obesity and how they have been able to overcome these. If this is your first time tuning in, I encourage you to subscribe to the show wherever you're listening so that you can get notified as soon as the new episodes are released. I have with me Dr. Erin Saltzman. She's a board certified physician in internal medicine and endocrinology. She has been working as an endocrinologist in private practice outside of Philadelphia, but is currently taking some time off to be a teacher and a camp counselor for her two sons, which is certainly an important responsibility that has befallen upon a lot of us in this current pandemic. While she does that, she is also working towards her obesity medicine board certification and in the future plans to practice obesity medicine exclusively. Welcome, Erin. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, I'm sure your kids are keeping you busy. Yes, they are. Um, Something that we didn't think we'd be signing up for this year. So it's been yeah, 2020 has been a um, a very interesting year to say the least, for sure. Yeah, it's been a roller coaster for a lot of people. So, Erin, when did your weight really become an issue for you? Um, my weight's been an issue my entire life. I was definitely a chubby kid, and I remember the cycle of losing weight at camp when I was more active, and then being more sedentary during the school years and gaining the weight again. And that was just a revolving door when I was a child. And, you know, I remember all through my teen years and young adult years, always just my default was to be heavy. And I would do things that, you know, again, I didn't know any better, but crash dieting and excessive exercising to try to lose weight to, to, you know, for special occasions, we'll say, you know, the times in your life when you're going to have pictures taken and want to look nice. And so it was always that cycle of losing a lot of weight quickly, but always gaining it back. Yeah, I think a lot of people can relate to that, including me, because, you know, you have those special events where you want to look nice and you want to look amazing. So you try to lose weight for those occasions and then you it just comes back. And, you know, for better or for worse, you don't know what else to do rather than just crash diet. And that's certainly something that I also experienced in the past. But what do you think was your light bulb moment of sorts that pushed you, you know, to lose weight and kind of maintain that weight loss? Yeah, I definitely remember that light bulb moment. Um when my father, who has diabetes and has also, his, you know, our entire family has metabolic syndrome, um, he needed to have a coronary stent placed when he was in his 50s. And so I knew that if I continued on the same path, I too would have coronary artery disease as a young person. And I did not want that. So that was a very, I, I just knew I had to do something. Yeah, you yeah, know, that's, that's very scary, especially with, you know, having a family history of having this at such a young age that definitely puts you at a higher risk of getting coronary artery disease. It suddenly is very scary, you know, seeing someone near and dear to you getting that. 
Right. I think that was the first time it made me think of how important it would be to lose and keep off the weight for more than just a photo opportunity. This was now for, for health. So yeah, Erin, I think the other thing very important that I want to address is that people often try to set goals that are not very realistic. They often try to look back and see when they were the leanest and they always want to get back to that original weight, which is very hard and it plays a lot on their psyche. You know, now we know from the science of obesity medicine that the body has a tendency to maintain that heavier weight. So when you started, did you face something like this and what were your goals and how did they change over time? Right. As I mentioned, as I was growing up and became you know, more conscious about my appearance, it was always about how I looked and how others would perceive me. And again, it was just that it, all I knew was calories in versus calories out. And so you would just eat as little as you could to get by and then exercise as much as you could so you can fit into whatever dress you had to fit into and look nice in the pictures. And then as soon as it was over, you'd be like, okay, it's over now. You know, it's all good and fine. But then, you know, 10 pounds would creep up, then 20, then 30, then 40, then 50. And you, I'd always say to myself, how, how did I let that happen? I was at my goal weight. Why did I let myself regain all of this weight again? So that cycle just continued. I, I can remember, you know, in high school, not so much during college, but like I remember during medical school, gained weight and then lost a lot before I got married after med school. And then one funny thing I remember about residency was that when you look at all of our pictures from the first to the third year of residency, we all were gaining weight. Right. <laughs> yeah. Our first, second, and third year pictures. And I just, you know, life gets you and you almost can't help it. You're eating the, the crackers and peanut butter in yeah. the break room all the time. And then the night floor when you're working at nights, that, that uh -huh. just really gets to you. That And the um, Chinese food that you order in the ICU at three in the morning, all of that. Yeah. Oh my God, of course. <laughs> you know, again, then, you know, as a woman also, you get pregnant, you have babies, all of these things. And then it adds on. From there, you kind of get to a point where you feel like, you know, all right, well, now what am I going to do? I might as well just forget it because this is life now. Right. Yeah. And, and a lot of times that happens because if you've done it enough number of times, you might reach a point where you're just despondent. You're like, this is me. That's it. I have to accept this. It's almost like, you know, it weighs down on you and you just don't feel that you can win against obesity. Right. Did you ever feel that? And how did you get over that? Yeah, no, I mean, I would say um, from the time when I got married, I was very thin. and. From the time I started residency until after I had my my first child, I had gained seventy pounds, and I'm I'm not tall. I'm I'm four foot ten, so for me, you know, gaining seventy pounds is like somebody else gaining one hundred and fifty. So yeah, no, it was it was just I just sort of gave up during residency and fellowship, and figured I'm going to have babies, and so what's the point? Horrible to say, but then um, you know, again, my dad had medical situation, which was definitely a complication related to diabetes, which was related to obesity and our genetics. And, um, and then also just as uh, working as an endocrinologist, yeah. I, I definitely saw success in motivated or what I considered very motivated patients of mine who I referred for surgery and used medications. And, and so the combination of my, my father and just that, you know, that aha moment that having that insight and light bulb turn on and then just seeing success in my own patients as an endocrinologist um 
that really was what changed my opinion and made me very serious about starting the weight loss journey. Cause I was at the top of the weight wow, there. Like yeah. I was at the top of my mountain and I was just like, I've got to just do something and, and make it sustainable. Yeah. I think yeah, that when you reach that point, you really need something to really motivate you and kind of get you going. Otherwise you're just, you feel very despondent. Yeah. So how much have you lost so far and how long did it take for you? Yeah. So I actually lost almost half of my body weight, believe wow. it or not. I was, um, again, I'm four foot 10 and I was up to about 200 pounds oh, when wow. I started. And I, I didn't do, I don't, I don't think I had um, bariatric surgery back in 2011. So at that point in time, I don't think that bariatric medicine and trying medications because there had been that whole backlash on things like FenFen that people had tried in the past. Exedrin and all right, that stuff. Right. So I didn't even, I wasn't aware of medications. Um, and again, I had some patients who had gone for bariatric surgery and who were very successful and basically didn't need me anymore as an endocrinologist based on their weight right. loss. Um, their obesity related complications just went away. So I said, I'm, you know what? Who am I kidding? I'm, I think this is something I need to look into. <laughs> and so that, yeah, a lot of it had to do with my right. patients actually. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So, and how long did you take to get to your current weight? Yeah. So, so that was a little bit of a journey too. So again, I had um, gastric bypass surgery in 2011 and luckily it was a, as good as it could be a, as an experience with bariatric surgery. I had no right. complications. Um, the post-op was smooth sailing and I was able to lose the weight and, you know, eventually eat normal food right. without any problems, just, you know, smaller amounts. So I would say I went from close to 200 pounds down to about, about 120. And then, oh, wow. well, but then I, we, my husband and I made the conscious decision to have another baby. So I got pregnant and I had a very healthy pregnancy, ironically, much healthier than my first pregnancy where I was much heavier. And I was older. I was six years older. And just even being older, just being healthier, it was a much better pregnancy. Right. So gained 30 pounds during that pregnancy. And then once I had him, my second son, um, it was just, it was harder to take off the weight at that point, but I didn't completely give up. I knew I had, you know, I was working on this and I, and I was going to lose the weight. And, um, the thing that was interesting about that, I would say I probably got back down to about 140 pounds and then some of my patients a few years ago, about four years ago, started coming into my office asking about a ketogenic diet. And again, I'm an, I'm an endocrinologist. So not having heard much about this, I was like, what are you doing? You're crazy. This is horrible. <laughs> Stop it. So they, a few of my patients went off of the ketogenic diet. And, you know, as I'm checking their labs, all of their diabetes is getting worse and their cholesterol is actually not any better. You know, so I started looking into that myself. And um, educated a lot, myself a lot about the ketogenic diet and had another kind of aha moment about that. That's not something that I was taught in my endocrine training. And, you know, nobody teaches us in medical school about either about obesity or about ketogenic diet or right. different diets. I mean, mm -hmm. our, our knowledge of nutrition is so lacking yep. and our knowledge of obesity itself is so lacking um, that unfortunately, a lot of us also have these preconceived notions about you know, how to manage obesity and it's a simple calories in calories out, but that's really not it. There's so much no. more to it. Yeah. And so, I mean, again, understanding the physiology, being an endocrinologist and understanding this is the 
only diet I had ever heard of that was all related to insulin. And once mm-hmm. I understood the physiology and the connection between insulin and your body fat stores, right. forget about carbs, just how it related to your, your body fat and why it, why it is so helpful. Um, I started it. And I remember the patient who had first come in to talk to me about the ketogenic diet. I saw her about six months later and I had put her back on it already. And then after six months, I, I said to her, I'm like, you know, you're going to laugh, but I got to tell you something. I'm like, <laughs> you kind of changed my life. And she, she, you know, at first she was like, oh, well, that's great. And then she looked at me and she's like, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I've been doing the ketogenic diet. I mean, I'm not as strict about it as I used to be, um, but I was very strict about it for a good two years and I lost a lot of weight. I got down to about um, 115 pounds. And then, you know, again, just through learning about obesity medicine and everything that was out there and available when I started treating my my patients with GLP-1 Right. Agonist, I right. started like, that myself as well, and and yeah. now I'm down to 105 pounds. I mean, wow. I weigh less than I weighed at my wedding, and I'm, my labs look better than they ever have. So this, I have been able to maintain this for over two years now with the oh, combination wow. of the ketogenic diet. Or I would say now I'm kind of keto light, but you know, de- definitely very low carb and healthy fat, and um, and using Ozempic. Right, right. Yeah, I think um, um, a lot of times people have these uh, notions about medical weight loss in terms of, you know, using medications for it. People are okay with surgery. And a lot of times people feel that, you know, it's a quick fix. Surgery is like, you just cut a part of the stomach out and that's the end of it. And then you'll just automatically lose it. But it's really not that. And um, uh, unfortunately, I think also because of the FenFen that came around and a lot of these supplements that are available in the market, you know, these are just marketing gimmicks, at least in my opinion. I don't know about no, you. No, I agree. I agree. <laughs> so, so people have these, you know, they have these preconceived notions about using medications for, uh, for weight loss. And uh, did you ever have these uh, inhibitions about using medications and how did you overcome those? Yeah, no, I mean, the same thing. I would say, you know, even as I was starting practice as an endocrinologist, I had the, um, and I would, I'd call it a bias. I had the bias that people who were looking into bariatric surgery, again, I don't think the medicines were really that much in the forefront at the time, back in the early 2000s. But I just, I kind of like, wow, that person, you'd hear celebrities who had bariatric surgery and you'd be like, did they really need to do that? They couldn't just shut their mouth and not eat, you know, again, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it seems like it would be a willpower thing. Right. So I definitely had those preconceived thoughts um, when I started practicing. But I think it was a combination of, um, you know, again, health related things and becoming old enough to have insight and understand. And then again, seeing my patient's success. And then also, you know, again, here I am, I'm an endocrinologist, and I'm telling people how to be healthy and treat their diabetes and what not to eat. And I was obese. I was obese myself. So I also felt a little felt a little hypocritical. And, you know, again, I just, I needed to figure out what was going to be the most sustainable, not the easiest. It sounds like surgery is an easy fix, but it's, it really it's, isn't. You know, it's a long process. No, no, I mean, it was. It's a lot. You change your whole life for right. it, and I'm. I would do it again in a heartbeat. But it's you know, it's life changing. So, yeah, I just think that as my perspective changed, and I wasn't thinking about what I looked like. It was more about being able, you know, being able to live for my children and my family. You know, I understood why it's things like bariatric surgery and medications are not, you know, in quotes, the easy way out. They are medically necessary, 
Right. And they're tested and proven techniques that, you know, people can use and should use if they need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tell people all the time that, same thing, I think there's a stigma with mental health as well. It's very similar, the stigma towards um, obesity and mental health. People try to deal with it on their own. But, you know, if you have diabetes or if you have hypertension and you need medications, you're not going to just be like, oh, well, I'm going to deal with that on my own. I'm going to wish my blood pressure better right. or wish my blood sugars. You can't wish it away. It's it's no. there. And and the World Health Organization, of course, recognizes obesity as a chronic disease. That is the other thing that a lot of people don't understand, that it's not just a lifestyle. It's not a lifestyle choice. It is something that is a disease that needs to be recognized, just like diabetes, hypertension, coronary heart disease, um, et cetera. Right. I agree. Yeah. So what what do you think were the key factors in your success? I think I finally, well, I mean, going to medical school helped because now I understood physiology <laughs> and endocrinology and, you know, why things made sense and why crash dieting and, and you know, exercising hours a day wasn't a sustainable option. Right. So once I, I understood what was sustainable, that's what really, you know, enabled me to be able to maintain. So you know, again, having had the surgery and, and again, um, one of the reasons I'm so interested in obesity medicine is to help people who are now two plus years out of surgery to help prevent that regain. Because again, surgery is a tool to help you lose the weight. People can't always maintain it. So right. th- that's where my interest in, in obesity medicine really lies. Right. And I mean, you've gone through it yourself. So obviously, you know, yeah, you, so you know firsthand what it is like. Absolutely. So you know, I I understand now what it takes to maintain it, and I'm I'm glad that I'll be able to pay that forward. No, that's great. Yeah. Um. So how do you think uh, you were able to manage changing your eating patterns completely? You went to a keto diet, mm-hmm. and I don't know. You know, of course, I'm sure your your family was very supportive. But if you go out to eat, for example, or even if you're having a family meal, how do you adjust and how do you, how does your family adjust to all of this? I think in terms of a ketogenic diet, it's actually pretty easy. It's easier than a restrictive diet. When you have a restrictive diet, you don't keep anything in the house because you don't want to be tempted to eat it. And then everybody else is mad at you. But <laughs> with the ketogenic diet, there's delicious things in our house. So, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. So as long as you're eating healthy fats, the whole family can have that. And because we limit what carbs are here. So I just, I adjust the meals so that I'm eating my healthy fats and protein and I'll have a salad and, you know, maybe my kids will have a little bit of couscous as their side, or, you know, if they're having some pasta, I'll make spaghetti squash. You know, I, I we just, I don't even like calling it a diet. I just, it's a lifestyle. Yeah. It's, it's a lifestyle. Not, yeah. It's really not restrictive. You can eat a lot of really tasty things on the ketogenic diet. And so that's one thing that when I'm speaking to my patients about it, why I think it's, it's very easy to follow or not, I wouldn't say easy, but it's, you don't feel as deprived as you normally would on a more calorie restricted diet. Yeah, I, you know, I, initially when I learned about the keto diet, I was like, I'm not going to do this because <laughs> it essentially involves just fat and meat. Yeah, and I was like, I'm not doing this. So, but as I'm learning, I myself am learning about it because now I've kind of gotten interested in uh, doing ketogenic myself. And what I'm finding is that you do get a lot of vegetables in. Oh, yeah. uh, you can get a lot of healthy fats. 
um, healthy foods and basically carb neutral foods essentially that they're rich in fiber so yeah. they're not necessarily absorbed right so the net carb intake is low even though your absolute carb intake may be high right exactly given the vegetables and whatever but they're all fiber so they just kind of are not digested i i have i don't want to call it ketogenic but we have very high fiber pasta which is delicious right. and it's so filling you can't even eat a lot of it anyway and yeah. No, again, I don't like even considering it a diet. I don't think I've ever been able to maintain a diet before, but this has been something that is very doable with a family. I mean, I do a lot of keto baking. Kids love it. So, you know, you can't bake in other diets. This is something. That's true. Yeah. You just stay away from the baked goods. You can't have ice cream on other diets. You can't. That's true. So, you know, if you do it the right way, it's actually a pretty rich diet. Yeah. What do you think was your biggest struggle or biggest struggles in your in your journey, uh, you know, to lose weight? Um, I think, well, again, the maybe two different types of struggles. One struggle being the ability to maintain the weight loss, just being on that that vicious cycle of losing weight quickly, then always regaining it. Um, and then also, again, just the stigma and the denial of how to deal with yeah. obesity. Thinking and, about it as a lack of willpower, I guess. Exactly. And not considering it a disease and treating it like a disease. So I think those those things were the um, hardest things to deal with. So what is your best piece of advice for the listeners uh, about exercise for weight loss? Obviously, if you can, great. Um, obviously, life happens and sometimes you can't always fit in um, you know, timed exercise, you're going to the gym. So I, you know, I always just tell people to be realistic about it. And if you can take the stairs, take the stairs. If you can park your car far back in the park, well, the way, yeah. just do what you can to be active during the day. That's yeah. I think, I think a lot of times, um, especially a lot of gyms, uh, will kind of just portray this image of, you know, extremely fit people. And then they just exercise their way to it from, suffering from obesity but um, people have to understand that it's more about the diet and more about the physiology how it works exercise is an adjunct but it may not necessarily be the only thing that you need to do to kind of reach to your goal weight or i should i shouldn't say goal weight i should say an ideal weight that you can achieve Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, I kind of put it in the thought of when people ask me, well, what's more important? And, and I, say, I say definitely diet. You know, again, if you if you wanted to put it in a percentage, maybe it's like a 70, 30 type of a thing. It's I'd rather you spend time preparing your foods healthily and focusing on that. And then, again, just being as active as you can be during your day. And if, exer- you know, some people love exercise for the endorphins. Great. You know, then do that if you can. No, I'm I do taekwondo that's my exercise but i don't i don't actively go to the gym and work out so i think if you find something that you love that can keep you active that's good too and um erin before you started you know your weight loss journey after you your father had um that cardiac event when you were you know in your teens and whatever i'm sure you would have tried exercising how much of a benefit do you do you think you got from exercise then you know, again, I, I was definitely in the excessive obsessive category when I would do it. So it's not anything that would have been sustainable. I think it was a little bit of an unhealthy obsession when I would be doing it for those reasons. I, mean, I remember, you know, getting ready for prom, just crazy on the elliptical or whatever it was, treadmill or or stairmaster back then. <laughs> Same thing before the wedding, my wedding. So I, I, you know, again, I don't think that exercise like that is healthy. It's it's a little obsessive. (laughs) Yeah. Exercise is important. 
but it's not the only thing that you really need. So any closing thoughts, Erin, um, or any piece, piece of advice that you have for um, our listeners? The biggest thing that I wanted to um, put forth tonight was just about removing the stigma of obesity and being able to look at it as a disease and to treat it as a disease, as opposed to, you know, what we were talking about, a lack of self-control or being lazy, things like that. I just think if we can put the focus on really considering it as a disease, which we now know it is, and it is such that we're going to be able to remove the stigma and help people a lot more. And I think if we as physicians, if we if we have personal experience with it as well and have had positive outcomes, then why not share that with our patients? Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, listeners, if you like today's episode, please drop us a review or a comment. Tell us what you loved and what you would like to hear in the future. Do subscribe for more fun and inspiring episodes like this one in the future. I'm looking for more inspiring stories like this. So if you have one to share, please email me at host at decodingobesity.com. That is H-O-S-T at decodingobesity.com. Uh, that's all we have time for today. Um, thank you so much, Erin, for joining us and sharing your story and insights into this. Yeah, my pleasure to be here. That was, this was great. Thanks. Thank you so much for everyone for listening in and I'll see you all next time. This podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely of the host and his guests. They do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of any organization. And that brings us to the end of this show. Thank you so much for listening in. And please remember that the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice. Don't forget to visit our website www.decodingobesity.com for show notes and more info.